Hello and welcome back to the Multidimensional Evolution Podcast. This is episode 55 and I'm Kim McCall. This episode is something a bit different as I'm being interviewed by Jack Grabon. Jack is a fellow consciousness explorer based in the US. We met years ago through our shared study of conscienciology. Jack is a psychotherapist and nutritionist with master's degrees in social work and applied nutrition. He is also looking at creating his own podcast focused on anomalous or paranormal experiences of consciousness. This has not launched yet and Jack has kindly letting me use this conversation here. I think this conversation ties in nicely with episode 52 where I spoke with Jessica Cornet about spontaneous spiritual awakening experiences because Jack and I discuss a mental soma projection that I had more than 20 years ago. A mental somatic projection can also be referred to as a cosmic consciousness experience, and it can profoundly alter the way we see ourselves and the world. I chose this experience because it was very significant to me, but also because it was quite pure, which makes it especially useful for analysis. By pure I mean that it was not caused by drugs, breathwork, or any other stimulus one can attribute with significantly altering our biochemistry. All that was involved was relaxation and energy exercises, something that some people would not even consider to be real. Factors like group contagion and heterosuggestion can also be ruled out. I had the experience during a projective techniques workshop, and on that day the goal was indeed for us to have a mental soma projection. But I had low expectations. This was the last of a four-day workshop and on none of the previous days had I been able to induce the kind of projections that were intended. So I had no expectation of things being any different on this day. It is also relevant that I was the only workshop participant left on that day. So it was only me and the very low-key matter-of-fact instructor. All I did was lie down and move energy. And out of nowhere, I experienced a profound alteration of consciousness, deeply shifting the locus of my self-identity for the next 30 to 40 minutes. And by the way, if you want to know more about what's involved with moving energy, I encourage you to check out episodes 1 and 53. So this is a fairly slow conversation as Jack was keen to see what triggers there may be in a person's life for such experiences, which means we go back right into my childhood and upbringing and the kind of circumstances of my life that might have primed me for this. I don't know that we have the answers, but I do think that studying these experiences is going to be crucial if we want to understand what consciousness is, how it ended up in human form, and how we can make the most of our current life. All right, Kim. Well, welcome to the show. It's so nice to have you. Thank you, Jack. I'm looking forward to our chat. Yes, yes, me too. So I want to get all about your, you know, learn about your projection in the mental body. But before we get to the meaty details of that, talk to me about the factors that kind of paved the way for you to have that experience in terms of your background, your history, or anything that's relevant that would help us to see why you had that experience. Mm. Um, well, I guess, uh, you know, it's certainly the kind of experience was not something that um, uh, sort of a thing that I grew up with or, um, you know, had any uh, really ideas about until quite you know, sort of the last sort of period before building up to that. You know, my upbringing was um, very secular. There was really no, um, uh, yeah, my, neither of my parents um, were religious uh, in any way. Um, I, uh, I remember as a kid going to church a couple of times with friends who were Christian. Um, this was in Germany. Um, and being kind of intrigued by the whole thing of religion and the, the rituals and uh, the community as well. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I didn't associate, uh, for example, as a kid, I didn't make any association between like religion and altered states of consciousness or anything like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that really came much later um, at uni and uh, when I was at university. Uh, I met a guy who introduced me to the idea of meditation. He was another student. And at that stage, I was in my um, early 20s and I was fairly, you know, I'd been, I'd been experiencing quite a sort of existential crisis um, the last few years before making it to university, struggling with depression and some major uh, kind of just doubts about life and the purpose of life and, and so on. And, um, and going to university was, you know, a way I thought to try and address it, but certainly doing my courses didn't seem to particularly alleviate my, um, my struggles, my inner struggles. And then this guy um, talked about meditation and I was intrigued. Um, and I did just, he, he invited a whole mob of people to his little student room this was in the uk at this stage um and it was super <laughs> it was just too many people for the room and it was really uncomfortable he talked us through some meditation definitely less than ideal circumstances but somehow it piqued my interest and um he had learned meditating at this particular ashram in indonesia which um i decided i needed to go to and so next um summer holidays um, I went to Indonesia and then I started uh, meditating. Um, it was a, an ashram run by an, an older Indonesian man. Fairly eclectic, you know, drawing on Buddhism, drawing a bit on Hinduism, but um, not really easily classified as either of those. Essentially, we just learned a very simple meditation practice of body awareness, kind of talking yourself through your body. And... Um, yeah, and that just became a practice, and I found it really helpful. It really helped me uh, um, well, I was going to say it helped with with my with my anxiety and depression issues, and it did, although it triggered a whole new range of other things because um, I very quickly had a whole had these uh, you know experiences that I didn't really have a framework for because I didn't have um I hadn't studied, you know, I hadn't hadn't looked at any new age stuff or any, anything Mm -hmm. spiritual up to that point. I'd just gone into meditating. And so when I started perceiving energies or seeing things that didn't seem to be there physically, um, that caused a whole new sort of wave of confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to jump in there because I've just been... Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. But I want to go back for a moment too. Um, what was appealing about the meditation for you? I know you said like it relieved some anxiety, but it also produced other things. What was the, the initial thing before you did it that said, oh, I want to try this? That's a really good question. And I'm not sure that I have a um, very clear, like the answer is mm-hmm. that uh it seemed very irrational to me, right? I was, even as I was getting ready to leave the UK and fly to Indonesia, I was like, what the hell am I doing? You know, why am I flying all this way to go to some meditation center? Finally, I, I don't know that I even thought at the time, surely there would have been many more convenient meditation teachers just <laughs> around the UK, right? But um, right. it was a really, uh, I, I, I guess, you know, if I could say, from different angles. So I would say it probably spoke to my sense of adventure. There was something very adventurous about, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to a place like Indonesia. I'd never been um, out of Europe. Uh, well, I've been to Australia, but I'll count that as part of Europe. You know, I'd never been to another part of the world mm-hmm. um, at that stage. And um, there was something magical about this, you know, somehow there's something mm-hmm. appealed, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. I, you know, I literally hadn't I'd done this one session with this guy in his room. So I hadn't even experienced really mm-hmm. what it was I was going to experience. Um, clearly the guy was very enthusiastic. So that must've influenced me as well. Right. He, uh, mm-hmm. 
um, yeah, he was very excited about his experiences there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think it was the adventure and the promise of some big shift somehow, you know. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, usually there's something, maybe it's not as tangible or easy to describe, but generally something pulling us in different directions, even if it's just curiosity. Mm. Yeah, and so, you know, then returning from Indonesia, um, I got into a very uh, almost, you know, excessive now, you might say in hindsight, like I was meditating uh, at least two hours a day, you know, session in the morning, session in the evening. Um, and it, uh, it probably, before that, I had been quite a strong, you know, I was pretty, like you know, many, most young people that age probably were fairly excessive alcohol um, consumption as well as weed. And that, I gave that up, that was all, Given, I'll give it up completely. And in a sense, you could say I almost replace it with meditation, right? Because I, um, mm. the meditation gave me access to uh, lots of interesting states of consciousness, um, which felt more wholesome, though. Mm -hmm. It felt a lot more wholesome. And I felt like things were changing within me. So um, sort of energetically in particular, um, mm -hmm. all kinds of sensations I'd never had feelings of energy before suddenly I was feeling all these parts around my body that I didn't know I existed mm -hmm. and it felt like there was um, you know I guess healing happening so um, yeah I felt chakras I felt things uh, energy kind of leaving me and and I thought I was getting lighter in myself so, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you experienced a lot of different sensations and you know, that healing and a lot of good things came out of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, so then the next two years, um, you know, so leading up towards this mental body mm -hmm. projection experience, um, but I guess what's relevant to that is these, you know, the next two years I was in the UK, I was doing my studies, anthropology, and um, I was meditating a lot. I, I experimented with all different things and I started doing yoga and I, I went to all these different groups that I discovered around um, the town where I was, Canterbury, in the UK, you know, shaman events and um I don't know, Course in Miracle and different kinds of meditation, Buddhist. I went to a Buddhist group quite a bit for a while. Um, anything that was around, really, I was really, you know, that, that in some way spoke to spirituality and growth and so on. Um, uh, yeah, I absorbed at that stage. You know, I was very open to things. I started doing an interfaith seminary. Um, mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, but then uh, towards the end of the studies, my studies there, I kind of, you know, I was at this cross, this intersection, where do I go now? And I came across some information about this organisation in Brazil that was studying consciousness and um, out-of-body experiences. And uh, this organization was called International Institute of Project Theology and Conscienciology, mm -hmm. um, IIPC. If I refer to it again, I'll use that because it's much easier. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, th you know, there was a range of synchronicities around how I've learned about this organization. But much like the meditation center, there was this almost instant urge for me to go and study in Brazil with this organization, and in particular with the the main guy at the time who'd founded it, Valdo Vieira. And much as with the Indonesia thing, and I booked a ticket and so on, and then I spent the next few weeks before my flight questioning what the hell was I doing while I was I going to Brazil. It all seemed, right. you know, kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's what I did. Uh, and so then I was in, in Rio de Janeiro and... 
uh, you know, I got a job as an English teacher, which was fairly easy at the time. I don't know what it's like there now. Um, and I started studying with this particular organisation, the IIPC, and uh, that was really the first time that I got a full framework for all the different experiences that I've had. Mm. Before that, I'd been really drawn to Buddhism as I'd read quite a lot of Buddhist texts and they really spoke to me um, intellectually, I suppose, mm-hmm. and emotionally, but they didn't really answer a lot of my questions at the time, especially because I was having spontaneous out-of-body experiences and all these energy experience that I had mm-hmm. and at least the Buddhist texts that I read they didn't really give any they didn't really help with that at all right it was it was all very much around uh, tuning your mind uh, or purifying your mind I suppose they might say you know to um, disconnect from all phenomena or to, to see all phenomena as illusory including those phenomena and I was really keen to understand them yeah it's my sense that Buddhists would detach from that and think of it as like a distraction rather than something to pursue and understand. Yeah, much many of them do. And I think it's, in a sense, they treat it as much like the physical world, right? It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's all an illusion. Yeah. Um, but there is, you know, since then, there's certainly, I've, I've got a book somewhere here of the, the Tibetan Buddhist um, dream yoga and you know, there's actually quite a lot of practices Mm-hmm. In Buddhism, around uh, out-of-body experiences, I mm-hmm. I think, but I didn't come across that back in the day, right? Um, and um, yeah, so I don't know. Do you want to just go straight to 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 that experience now? Maybe the sure. Unless there's anything else that comes to mind that you feel like kind of pointed you in that direction. Anything that you didn't mention that would do that? Um, well, maybe, yeah, I don't know. I'll talk about the experience first and then maybe um, okay. see. So one of the things that I learned as, as part of the IPC framework, and of course other organisations, other groups have that, it's not a, not a unique concept, but I hadn't been aware of it before, is this the the definition of the the different bodies that mm-hmm. we have are beyond the physical body and so there is the energetic body which is the first thing i became aware of when i started meditating with all these energy flows and chakras and so on and um and it's funny because you know, i've i've recently been sort of delving into uh, a lot of podcasts in particular and speakers who are uh, you know, skeptical, I suppose. I'm really trying to understand the skeptical perspective uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. And um, a lot of people, like when you use the word chakra and then people just kind of scoff and dismiss it, you know, as a, yeah. as a, as a, as a, I don't know, as a fantasy or just as some psychological concept. Uh, but when you perceive them so tangibly, uh, it's very difficult to, yeah, to see it as anything other than, you know, it's a tangible body. I can, I can feel it. I can feel the pulsations. I can feel the spinning and so on. So it's it's a tricky one to like to have conversations when when, and that's where this idea of have your own experiences, right? It's without mm-hmm. experience, sometimes it's hard to have the to yeah. meet, find a common ground in the conversation. Yeah. But but anyway, so so they have this this model of the the bodies, the physical body, the obviously the energetic body then the that what we call the astral body often right that's also very mm-hmm. widely known and in in the IPC they called it the psychosoma the emotional body which is one that leaves our physical body at um at sleep if we have an out-of-body experience and tends to look much like our physical body and then there is this this other body referred to as the mental body or the mental soma and the mental body uh, the idea of it is that if you have an experience in the mental body, um, you really, uh, it's kind of like the cosmic consciousness experience where you feel connected to everything. You know yourself as uh, consciousness rather than any kind of bodily shape. And uh, you just have the sense of, of 
wide expansion of, of beingness. I don't know. There's many different, like there's, I mean, there's, these experiences have been um, studied and, and so on by, uh, I guess, people from various spiritual traditions. Um, but yeah, that was the way it's talked about in, in the IPC. And um, uh, towards the end of my stay in Brazil, so this was in 98, um, I did a, a, a workshop where each day, yeah, it was a four-day workshop, and each day you would apply a different uh, technique to have an out-of-body experience. And the last on the last day, the technique was uh, to have a mental soma projection experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've... Not, I don't have a, a good track record of having out-of-body experiences at will. The ones I've had have been spontaneous. And um, the during that workshop, for example, uh, in the first three days, I have I had no recollection of any particular experience. You know, I'd have um, some energetic phenomena before, like these energetic exercises before you as you lie down. And um, then you'd apply whatever the technique was, some sort of visualization or, or maybe breathing or something. And then I'd usually like lose consciousness and then I'd come back mm-hmm. afterwards. Well, yeah. Let me ask you, what was the purpose of those energetic techniques? Why were those applied before you made these attempts? Um, well, the idea is that uh, there is a relationship between our energetic body and the the astral body so you know because we're usually focused so focused on our physical body um it's quite kind of difficult it can be difficult just psychologically to shift our awareness to our um, astral body and also it um it seems that unless we've practiced, uh, you know, done this sort of liberally for many of us, and again, it's probably psychological, um, we don't necessarily have a sort of an openness to shift our consciousness into the astral body. And in some way, the energies, the energetic body functions as a kind of intermediary, right? It's, it's less dense than the physical body, but it's denser than uh, the astral body. And by say exciting the energetic body you know, by moving the energies by um, y- you can shift them up and down um, you kind of start connecting with the astral body and readying it for for takeoff and um, that you know spontaneous that, that seems to happen spontaneously you can see by this so-called vibrational state that people like Robert Monroe mm-hmm. um, who's a you know well-known um, author on out-of-body experiences uh, for him, that was a, a very frequent precursor, and it just happened spontaneously for him that he would suddenly get these intense vibrations um, pulsating through his body, and then he'd pop out and find himself out of the body. And so these energetic exercises are you know, a way to, an attempt to to replicate that. I see. Yeah, it sounds like it's to help, yeah, to bring about the experience more easily than if you mm-hmm. hadn't done it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm saying I'm saying that uh, about um, my you know lack of success in projective techniques because to me the reason I thought you know if the things we could talk about for this the reason I thought the mental body projection it was interesting is because. Um, it's the circumstances of it, uh, I suppose, kind of, um, I would like to say that they have evidential value, but of course, it's just my story, right? So I'm just telling a story, mm-hmm. but they have evidential value for me in the sense for, for the for various reasons that I'm talking about. One, the first one being that I don't normally have experiences during these sort of workshops, like mm-hmm. projection, out-of-body experiences. I might have others, perceptions and whatever, but not... And so um, when it came to the last day of the workshop, 
I had really had very little expectation mm-hmm. that uh, there was going to be anything, you know, profound was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, uh, you know, it's not like my, I had sort of an expectation bias that created this experience. Um, the next thing that I find really interesting about this particular experience was that there was nothing there was no um, sort of intense activity or anything that one could attribute with creating it. Um, so, for example, I do breath work, um, you know, on and off, mm-hmm. fairly intense breathing exercises uh, that can induce extreme altered states of consciousness. Um, but it's very clear what's doing that. You know, you're doing a particular practice and it changes the chemistry in your body and uh, and you can also feel if you're feeling energies you can feel how you know the energies start shifting and and so on you can point to very something very particular mm-hmm. whereas in this case uh like the other sessions we um did uh you know energy exercise and it was really just the instruction was really just to focus your awareness on your mental body which um you know doesn't necessarily (laughs) help Mm -hmm. that much i mean it's like a uh, something that's very hard to describe you know a non uh, a non um uh sort of shapeless really uh matterless um essence and um sounds very abstract it was very abstract exactly it's a very abstract thing um but what happened was that uh, the as we were doing the energy exercise already, um, it felt very different from any of the other sessions um, I'd had before. And as we went on and on, I, I, um, I felt this increasing um, kind of pulsating pressure at my the chakra the third what we call the third eye you know it's got from people mm-hmm. the third eye chakra the chakra between your sort of yeah. eyebrows and the forehead and the crown chakra so at the very top of your head and i like serious uh the intense kind of drilling pressure and then something happened that i hadn't i don't know that i'd never experienced it, but i certainly never experienced it like that was that it was almost like something formed between the two. So if you sort of um, take, take your hand away from your, so if you have your hand on your forehead by, you know, the third eye would be, take it away about 10 centimetres and then sort of move it up at a slight arc. So it sits halfway between where the crown chakra would be if you drew a line up from the crown chakra and from the front, from the third eye chakra. Um, it was from there that there was this intense pressure hitting um the the you know the top of my forehead essentially and i had no idea what was happening but i just had this understanding this this you know spontaneous insight that that was um somehow going to be my entry point for this mental somatic projection and so i just put my all my focus and all my attention into that sensation. And um, yeah, out of, from that, from being aware of that, then there was just this shift. You know, there was no, nothing dramatic. There was no dramatic like flying out of my body or anything. There Mm -hmm. was just this complete shift from perspective and uh, I was no longer um, an embodied person lying uh, on the floor in this, um, you know, windowless room in a in an apartment. No, it was already an apartment block, but an office block in in Rio de Janeiro. But I was just this expansiveness, um, un you know, disembodied, uh, initially, the, the, 
this was like, oh, this is, it was like, this is expansive, like this environment. Then it was like, no, I'm expansive. You know, there's this, mm-hmm. this, this lack of um, distinction between mm-hmm. self and everything that I was perceiving. And was there any sense of the outside environment or did that kind of go away during this experience? You mean the physical environment? Yeah, the physical, like yeah, other no. noises, other students or whatever was around you. No, 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 no sense at all of my body or anything to do with the physical okay. um, space at that time. Um, and you know, it's interesting because, in some ways, it's it, it, say it was it was a quite an it was quite uneventful in a sense because, mm-hmm. to what all I can tell you really now is that that sense of expansiveness, uh, and it was. I wouldn't say, I can't say it was ecstatic, right? Like, it's not like there's there's been other experiences I've had where I was, um, in hindsight, you know, probably really connecting with the mental soma, but I was also still connecting with my body. And then there was this really ecstatic experience of realizing that myself is, you know, is just such a small part of who I, like myself as, you know, Kim McCall is such a small part of who I am at a deeper level. This was there was nothing like that. I wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't. I wouldn't, couldn't say it was a sense of ecstasy. It was just profound, um, profound peace, really mm-hmm. profound peace and serenity and uh, expansiveness. And I remember clearly there must have been a, a sense. Obviously, there was still a sense of myself as Kim because I I did have this I was this reflection I was trying to understand I was like wow this this space like this is this is my 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 essence Mm -hmm. what is uh you know what is the what is the purpose of all this struggle and all the kind of challenges of life and um you know none of that seemed to be able to touch this like you know so if if everything that we struggle for in life can't touch this, what's the point of even going through it? Now, how is this, how is mm-hmm. this state going to be in any way enriched by me <laughs> struggling with whatever I'm struggling with, you know, mm-hmm. um, all the ups and downs of life? And so I, I was reflecting that on that, and I got no answer, really. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. I had some profound insight then. Oh, this is, um, it was just, it didn't matter. It kind of didn't matter um, mm-hmm. at that point. It's like, oh well, mm-hmm. those those things don't matter. You know, they don't. They don't touch this. They're kind of. It really, uh, yeah, gave a sense of. Uh, uh, I guess you know we're talking about the Buddhist before and everything be, being illusory. Mm-hmm. It kind of had that sense. Like in that moment, it was like, yeah, all that stuff is just. It's just like energy, you know. It comes and it goes, and it comes and it goes. Yeah. Like when I say all that stuff, I mean just about everything that happens in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the session, I know that the session, the exercise session was 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know. I have no idea. I know that then I have no idea how long I was in that state. The next thing that I knew, I was in that state, and then I wasn't in that state again. And when I wasn't in that state, I was feeling my body super cold, super rigid um, on the floor, obviously, where I'd left it. And uh, I had this hot, pulsating energy at the base of my spine mm-hmm. and at the third eye chakra area uh and then you know i probably lay there i know i laid there for some time before the instructor brought us back right so um you know however long however long that experience was in in time it might have been 30 minutes or something Mm -hmm. um didn't feel like that you know while i was there yeah, was there a sense of any kind of time passing or did you feel more timeless? No. Yeah, no, it felt completely timeless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so so 
you know, those the the the, the tangible energy at the end as well. Again, that's you know, I've often referred. I've, said a number of times now that I feel energy and that's that is a thing that I feel quite regularly um the chakras and so on but that those sensations at the end there when uh with that heat that's mm -hmm. not that's you know it's not something I've um really ever experienced other than on mm -hmm. that occasion um and uh yeah and the way the body it's almost like I imagined that would be how the body would if you could feel your body when you're dead, you know, that's how it would feel like that rigid, cold, um, uh, sort of state. You think it was a sense of like you being so far from it in a way in your experience that it felt like alien to you almost when you came back to it? Yeah. As I'm talking, maybe that is, you know, maybe the contrast, right. From yeah. having been so completely removed from anything bodily and then, back in that heavy comparatively right um right vehicle but i also wonder whether somehow so much of my energy had left the body for that experience to happen mm -hmm. um, that that somehow influenced the way you know it was its state yeah um i don't know i mean we need to sort of think that would be interesting to yeah to, to research more yeah and it could be like experiences like this leave more questions than answers sometimes That's yeah just part of it i think yeah yeah so was this an experience you shared with others after you had it like what was the reflection of it like and what was its impact in your life um i i would have shared it I, I can't, I, I'm assuming I would have shared it with the you know instructor afterwards because there was always a session you know sort of asking what, what did you experience. Mm -hmm. Although I think I might have also been a bit over like you know sort of a bit overwhelmed, a bit unsure. Um, mm -hmm. I might have. I don't have a strong recollection right now of talking about it with anyone mm -hmm. for a while. You know, I wrote it. I mean, I've, I've written it up. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, the the impact um, the impact of it was interesting for me because uh, it left me with this deep sense of peace. And you know, maybe by way of context, so I had so I was in, um, said I was in Rio de Janeiro, right? I found being in Rio de Janeiro extremely stressful mm -hmm. and challenging for a whole number of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think, you know, a large one just being the nature of the city. I, I met a number of other, um, you know, uh, foreigners there and many of us seem to share this slightly sort of shocked look <laughs> about, <laughs> about life because, you know, I'd, before that I'd been living on, in, in country England, right? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, going to London was always, I always found a bit of a daunting exercise, especially since I'd gotten into the whole meditation stuff because I, I sort of felt really sensitive to energies. So um, catching public transport, you know, going to work, um, just the, the crowds, the, the, the intensity, the poverty that's really in your face, you know, the sort mm -hmm. of constant threat of potential violence um, uh, because you hear gunshots and, you, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, had yeah, I found being in Rio generally stressful, and mm -hmm. um, that experience, you know, for the next uh, it's a long time ago now, right? So, I, I'm not 100% mm -hmm. sure exactly, but I would say it was about between one and two weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, left me feeling extremely peaceful, calm. And, uh, you know, my mind, I guess that's where a lot of anxiety starts. This is probably all of anxiety starts in our mind. Um, yeah, my mind was just um, um, really at ease. Mm -hmm. And I felt ex that, that sense of expansion that I experienced, that, that stayed with me, I guess. I felt really expansive. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then slowly that wore off, right? And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I'm curious, like, 
was this something that anybody noticed? Like whether people you've talked to about the experience or not, like did you appear or come across differently because of the state you were in? Or was it kind of like camouflaged because it was more just internal? Mm, I don't know. I don't remember anybody commenting on it uh, at mm -hmm. this point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Sometimes when people feel these, you have these peak experiences like that, like others notice, like something's different about you. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yes. yes. I have had that. I have yeah. had that too. And other, okay. at other times for sure, you know, done some sort mm -hmm. of work. You know, you come out of a workshop and you're on this workshop high. Right. You've got these new insights and people, oh, it's going to be glowing, you know, but. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't recall anything like that. Okay. Um, doesn't mean, yeah, I just wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I guess I wonder because of maybe the subtlety of this experience you had, even though it was very subtle yet profound, where it wasn't, you know, in the emotional body, perhaps that had a part in that. I don't know, just kind of theorizing. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah it's a subtler experience and a person goes out of their body and sees themselves lying on the bed and like, oh my God, that's not me. Like, that's just my shell. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's true. And I, I think there's some interesting, again, this raises interesting questions, you know, about um, the nature of change and um, at which level change happens. Like, like I said before, you know, I really noticed when I started meditating, I noticed a lot of change around my energetic body. Mm -hmm. And that seemed to, well, that really helped me, right? I felt different in myself. Um, and it seemed to correlate with a lot of sort of emotional processing as well. Um, and uh, and then yeah, the mental body is something completely different. So I guess change at that level. I also wonder, you know, whether change at that level is sort of something that might, yeah, definitely more subtle and perhaps more long, long lasting. You know, over longer mm -hmm. periods of time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, I, I would say I went back to um, the old, uh, you know, Kim with all his general neuroses and anxieties and so on. Um, after a couple of weeks, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe gradually, then you know, sort of drag on mm -hmm. for a little longer. But um, yeah, over time, that experience provided. Uh, sort of a recurring anchor almost you know like when I when I would have uh, difficult times with something in my life um, you know questioning whatever it is you know just different challenges that you have as you go through life and mm -hmm. family and you have yeah. children and all that kind of thing um, that uh, yeah it was like a a reminder, you know, of like the bigger reality, the fact that mm -hmm. there is, um, that there is this this deeper essence to all of us that is somehow untouched by whatever the life might throw at us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's that's, that's certainly been a source of, of strength at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, that's great. It sounds like a nice thing to to draw from and to just mm. know that that's there. Yeah. Yeah. And you feel like that's still like with you, like that impact, long-term impact of it. Like you have that kind of tucked away. Oh, there's always that experience. I'm more, much more than this body. Like, is that still there for you? Yeah, it's still there. I I do think, and it's been interesting talking about this now, you know, after all these mm -hmm. years. Um, uh, I, I guess I, I think things aren't static, right? Like I don't know that um, in some ways I feel maybe that's, that, that served its role, that particular experience for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a different place, you know, I'm at a different stage in my life. A lot of things have happened um since then and i'm sort of 
probably would be more inclined now to draw on other things, right? If I, if mm-hmm. I need to, um, if I need to remind myself yeah. of connecting with uh, something, you know, beyond the self, I guess, right. beyond the the ego identity, mm-hmm. um, which is still a practice I find really helpful, right? To to um, yeah, just to to manage um, every day life to remind myself that i'm part of something bigger but probably uh like right now i'd probably be more inclined to connect with nature mm-hmm. um and in nature you know i feel i can uh, it's like i can uh so when when i stop you know when i slow down i stop my thinking and i connect with you know, the, the trees around me and the animals moving through the trees and the grasses coming out of the soil and kind of focus on what's underneath that, you know, the intelligent principle that's kind of driving everything um, in life and the role of, you know, myself and humans and generally in that as well. I, I feel like I can come to a similar kind of place of... Um, uh, yeah, just, just um, I don't know. For me, there seems to be something very uplifting about connecting with the fact that there is uh, an existence of life that is so much beyond, um, you know, me mm-hmm. and any other sort of individual. And yeah. um it sounds like it was foundational for you having this experience since you've had others and there are other ways to kind of go deep as well. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably, I mean, foundational is probably a good way of putting it because, uh, you know, as we're talking, I, I wonder to what extent that experience might've opened the connections as it were for me, you know, to, Mm -hmm. to be able to tune into, to that sort of perception in other contexts yeah 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 anything else about the impact that you want to say or does that feel like you kind of summarized it well there yeah i think i've summarized summarized all of that okay so you know this is not probably like a common everyday experience for many people but given that you went through it you came out the other side so to speak, um, how can experiences like this be normalized? Yeah, uh, so I think it is probably, um, you know, not an uncommon experience for people in the, from what I gather, right, in the, because I haven't really meddled with things like ayahuasca, but mm-hmm. from what I hear in, in that community, uh, people have similar kind of experiences at times. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, but what I I suppose what I what I value about that the pathway that I had is that I can fully I fully trust like I know it wasn't a drug right I, there was no drugs right. involved so mm-hmm. um, but it helps me uh, you know there's there's a connection there I think in the in the uh, kind of state of consciousness that we enter into whether it is through the drug or whether it is spontaneous well applying a technique I suppose in that case. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of normalizing, so, so, so I think what I have noticed, you know, that in people talking about the, so within those circles of, of the, the drug um, community, the ayahuasca community, I should say, um, in particular, uh, that's the most vocal one that I, I know of. Um, those sort of experiences have become quite normalized, right? Mm-hmm. People have conversations about them like they are a regular event right. because people can kind of tune into them to use Timothy Leary's language, right? You're tuning, tuning into the, the <laughs> frequency. Um, but, uh, you know, outside, I, I mean, it's probably going to be uh, the, the there, there's, a, there's, I think probably a fairly large part of the community you know, of, of, of people who uh, don't really go for altering their consciousness um, in that sort of way, right? They might alter their consciousness with alcohol, 
mm-hmm. um, or some other ways, but maybe not in ways that um, make them kind of transcend their their ego identity. That does seem to still be a subsection of people that are interested in that, that are drawn to that, that feel excited about that rather than scared, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I I think probably the, the, the key is to have conversations like this, you know, for mm-hmm. people to, to share their experiences. And there's been a shift. There's been a big shift, I would say, um, mm-hmm. in the time. So since the 90s, when I first started with meditation, we didn't really have, uh, well, I certainly hadn't discovered the internet at that stage. I think it was just starting, really. Um, you didn't really have access to conversations about this other than around the people that you met mm-hmm. um, whereas now you can you know anybody you can google astral projection there'll be hundreds of pages and dozens of facebook groups and mm-hmm. people discussing it everywhere and um the same would be true for ayahuasca i don't know it probably gets a little bit more a bit more esoteric when you talk about mental body projections yeah um that's probably still a bit harder to come by yeah, like the out-of-body is kind of the more common. When people say that, they usually are referring to like astral projection or, you know, experiences like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yours has this added dimension where you went deeper with it, so. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, you know, even, even that paves the way for people to be open to that experience too. Yeah, it does. On Absolutely. the same, con- you know, further along on the same continuum, essentially. Yeah, yeah. So... If you enjoyed today's conversation as much as I did, please take a few moments to leave a positive review on Apple Podcast and share it on social media to help others find it. You can find more information about today's guests in the show notes for this episode, including any links to their work and their contact details. This podcast is a labor of love. If you want to support me and get some practical info for your own exploration of consciousness, You can purchase my book, Multidimensional Evolution, from Amazon and other online bookshops. Or if you want to support your local bookstore, which I encourage, you will have to order it in. You can check out my blog on multidimensionalevolution.com, where I write about all kinds of topics relating to multidimensionality and our evolution um, that just pique my interest at different times. Finally, get in touch via email or on the Multidimensional Evolution Facebook page. Whether it is to ask questions, share experiences, or suggest guests and topics, I always love hearing from people, as I believe it is through sharing with each other that we can all grow together. Until then, or until you tune in again, I'm sending you my very best energies. The tune seeing us out is called Akasha from Finnish fusion artist Axel Tesla. Thank you.